What's up, guys? It's Kyle Brotherson with Dirt Bike Channel. This is the Dirt Bike Channel podcast. You made it. I feel like I'm Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon every time I do that. Every once in a while, I'll watch the, you know, the late show or the tonight show, I guess it is, with Jimmy Fallon with my wife. And he comes out on the stage, and that's what he does every time. He's like, you guys, you made it. This is the tonight show. You're here. And, and so, I don't know. I feel like I'm doing that when I come on these podcasts. I don't know why I say that. It's just, it's just coming out. So I'm pretty excited about today's episode. It's been about a week and a half since I did an episode, and I'm very sorry about that. I had this other thing going on, this uh, dirt bike sweepstakes thing that I did that took like every ounce of energy and zapped every bit of energy and every hour out of my day for the last two months. And now that is behind me. I still need to deliver those bikes. I'm going to give the one bike to the guy here in Utah. I'm going to give it to him maybe on Saturday. Um, the other bike, we're going to ship it. The other bike that's going to uh, Indiana, we're going to ship that through Moto Shippers. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, but today, today's podcast is going to be talking about all of the different bike models that I've, I've ridden. And I've, not that I've ridden, that I've owned. Um, and there's about 31 of them that I've owned so far. And that's just the big bikes. So we're going to go through and do a quick synopsis. I don't know how long this is going to take us. Uh, but I'll try to go through pretty quickly and just kind of give you my Cliff Notes version and maybe just like a anecdote about each one of these bikes. Um, but before I do that, I want to just tell you today's uh, the spot the, <laughs> the sponsor for today's podcast is Fastway. Fastway offers an extensive line of aluminum billet performance motorcycle products. Some of the most popular things that they offer are kickstands, foot pegs. They also have hand guards, cargo racks, linkage guards, and more. Fastway products are precision engineered for the best ride every ride and are machined and assembled in Idaho in the United States of America. From weekend warriors to factory racers, they have the parts that will optimize your riding experience. So go visit fastway.zone. That's fastway.zone to see the entire product line from foot pegs to kickstands and everything in between. Okay, so we've got that out of the way. Those guys, uh, I had a fun interview with, with uh, the president of Fastway last time we were on the podcast. Go check those guys out, fastway.zone. They are the sponsor of today's podcast. Now, let's jump right into this. So there have been a lot of bikes, right? As you guys know, you've probably seen me crank through a bunch of different bikes on this podcast, and I've had a ton of fun doing it. Interestingly enough, there have been, I now am on my 31st bike. It's my last bike that I have right now is the beta 2020 beta 300 RR race edition. I haven't posted any comments on that yet, but I do have a couple like initial thoughts on it, which I might just sneak in here to the podcast at the end. Um, but yeah, it all starts back in May of 2010 on my twin or 2009 Yamaha YZ 450F. Those of you get that have, uh, and I won't beat a dead horse here with this, but those of you guys that have been on the channel for a long time and watch me on YouTube and Facebook, you understand that that bike was, was not really a great bike for me. I picked it up for a great price. I mean, I, I'm looking at the purchase price. I've got, I track all the purchase prices and the, the dates that I buy them and then sell them and everything. And I bought that bike for $5,000. Now, that was before tax, but it was a brand new spanking bike at 20. And this is one of the reasons why I bought it is because it was five grand then plus, you know, tax and whatever. So it was very cheap. Um, and you know, cause it was a leftover model in 2010. That's when I bought it May of 2010. And so it was a leftover 2009 and it was right when Yamaha had gone to the, um, they'd gone to fuel injection. And so this was a carbureted bike. It was the last guard of uh, Yamaha's carbureted motocross bikes. So I got it for a really good deal. I owned that bike for 26 months, and then I sold it for $3,500. Um, 
I called that a $1,500 loss and I almost lost my entire riding career because of it because it was the wrong bike for me. I, no one, I don't think anyone should start out with a 450 uh, motocross bike, especially if they're going to do the type of trail riding and off-road riding that I'm doing because it nearly killed me as far as like killed my desire, you know? Um, the next bike though was a 2012 KTM 350 XCW. So, and again, the YZ, the Yamaha YZ450F, it's not that it was a bad bike. It was just the wrong tool for the job for me. As you guys know, it's a fine motocross bike. I just wasn't doing motocross. And even if I was doing motocross, 450 is not the bike to start out on. Um, won't beat that dead horse. Then the next bike is the 2012 KTM 300 XCW. This is the reason that we are, that you are listening to me, this bike. And I've done a pod. I think I did a podcast on, I know I've done videos on it, but that bike changed my life. The 2012 300 XCW. I bought it on a whim back in March. Let's see. It was March of 2012. I paid $8,000 for it from, uh, ADS. Uh, it was ADS triple S or AD triple S or something up in, uh, Ogden. Back at the time, I still remember it was Stephanie who uh, sold that bike to me. I think she still works there. I think she owns the thing with her husband. Anyway, I digress. I kept that bike for 27 months, okay? And it changed my life. It was the bike. It's the reason we're having this conversation because I just gelled with it so much and it just opened up this whole new world to me and I absolutely loved it and uh, kept that bike again for 27 months. I sold it for $5,800. That was a loss of 2,200 bucks, which equaled $81 and 48 cents per month of a loss. That's how much that bike uh, depreciated was $81, uh, almost $82 a month over the 27 months that I owned it. But that was, oh man, that was, that was just absolutely, absolutely incredible um, of that bike to, uh, to have, I, it just changed everything. And then I traded, uh, I not traded. I bought in 2014, June of 2014, I bought another 300 XCW. This was a 2014 KTM 300 XCW. And, uh, it was, it was awesome as well. And it was, it was basically just as good as the 2012. I always, I kind of always felt like the 2014 didn't quite run as good as my 2012, which is an interesting thing because that's something that I've really come to notice with this is just because you buy every motor is an, an individual and every bike is an individual. I can buy two bikes of the same model on the same day, which I've done multiple times. Like I'll go buy one and buy one for a buddy and one bike just runs better than the other one. I'll jet them the same way. I'll tune them the same way, blah, 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 blah. And one bike sometimes will just run a little better than the other one that happens. Um, happens frequently. Every bike is a, you know, its own, you know, its own individual. And that 2014 was an awesome bike, but I, I never felt like I could get it to run quite as good as my 2012 did. I owned that bike for 14 months and I sold it for 6,800 bucks, which was a $1,200 loss. That, so what that one equated to was it was an 85.71 cent, $85 and 71 cents of a loss per month by having that bike. The longer you have these bikes, the less you lose, even if you're buying them brand new. So the longer you keep a bike, the less per month that you lose in depreciation because they lose the most when they're new, right? Um, and so if you buy a new bike and you keep it for a long time, the, the loss per month isn't that much. Like on that on, on the Yamaha YZ450F, because the initial price was so low from buying it and then the sale price was $5,800. Or I mean, yeah, the sale price was only $1,500 less um, I owned that bike for 26 months and I lost $57 a month on that. That one I did really well on a lot of these other bikes that I kept for a shorter amount of time. 
um, I lost more per month, which is which is pretty normal. So then moving on in 2014, uh, and this is kind of, well, actually it was 2015. And this is where, so the first five years of Dirt Bike Channel, I really only have like uh, three bikes, you know? And then the last five years, well, I shouldn't say, the first five years that I started doing bikes, I had um, five years and it was like four bikes or three bikes. And then from 2015, about April of 2015, that's when I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to start testing bikes. And in the five years that have ensued, the other, uh, what, 25, 26 bikes have ensued over the next five years. And so basically the way that that looks is the first uh, bike that I bought as like a test bike was a KTM, it was a 2014 KTM 350 XCF. And I kept that bike for only just over one month. Um, and it, it was my first four stroke after, after kind of getting lazy on the two strokes, it was my first four. It was my first time I went back into the four strokes. And I remember stalling the bike out immediately on a couple of nasty things and having just like wanting to throw it off of a cliff. And at the time, you know, I was blaming the bike, but in reality, I look back and I say, well, you know what? The bike was doing fine. It's just, it's a, it's a KTM 350 XCF and they don't, they don't stay. You have to be a lot more adept at clutch control and things to keep that bike running. And I was not doing that. And so I can't blame the bike. I was taking in, in a couple little nasty, gnarly situations and things, at least at the time. And I stalled the bike a number of times in a row. And I was like, man, this is so much different than my 2014 300 XCW, which I still had at the time. And that's when it really started. I really started to have my eye opened about how freaking different they are. I mean, I knew two stroke and four stroke was different. They're different tools for different purposes. So I kept that bike only for about a month and I sold that bike. Um, I bought it for 7740 and all these, all these numbers that I'm telling you are pre uh, tax. So you, you got to add the tax and everything up on top of there. But I bought that bike for 7740 and I sold it for 7,500 bucks one month after I bought it. So I lost $240 on that deal. Uh, but that was one of the least amounts that I've ever lost on a bike. Um, and I sold it to, uh, I sold it to my buddy, Tyler. He actually came down and bought it from me. And I had no idea who he was at the time. And I wouldn't really know who he was for a couple of years after that, but, um, he came down and bought it from me. And then we have developed, um, a pretty awesome uh, friendship after that years later. Um, and I ride with him all the time, but that's how I met Tyler was by selling that 2014 KTM 350 XCF. Consequently, he didn't keep it that long either. I think he had it for like a year and then he moved into the two strokes and the rest is history. I mean, we both do two strokes and four strokes, but that's what the KTM 350 XCF was. I didn't get a fair shake on that and I didn't really give the bike a fair shake. So I will revisit that later with another 350 XCF. Um, in May, so right after I sold the 350 XEF in May of 2015, I bought a KTM 300 XC. So before this, I had only done the XCWs and then I decided I'm going to go out and I'm going to try this 350, uh, I mean a KTM 300 XC 2015. And that bike is like the second bike that kind of changed things for me hugely. I bought that one up in Oregon. I bought these bikes all over. I'll, I'll drive all over the West to get these bikes. And I bought that bike for $8,000. Um, you know, pre-tax and I kept that bike for what, 16 months. And I sold it for 6,800 bucks, which was a $1,200 loss. And it was 70. So that was 75 bucks a month as far as the depreciation that I lost on that bike. Now at this time, what I've decided, what I had decided to do is I'm like, Hey, look, I'm pumping out all this. I'm pumping out all these videos on YouTube and 
I'm like, okay, I'm losing. I lost 75 bucks a month on that one, but I'm making more money than that on the YouTube side of things. You know, I wasn't making a ton more than that, but I was making a few hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks a month on YouTube. And it got to the point where it was like, look, I can go buy a bike. And then the loss that I'm taking on that bike by selling it, I'm making up for it with the YouTube ad revenue. And so that's how I continued to do this. The first couple of bikes I had to buy on credit. And then after that, I had a good job and I was saving up and I saved up essentially like, you know, the $10,000 or the $8,000 in this case. And then every time I would sell a bike, I would use that sale price plus augment on top of that, the money that I was making with the YouTube ad revenue to pay for the next bike. So I wasn't, it wasn't just all coming out of my pocket. This, so it was a side hustle. Like this dirt bike channel was a side hustle, you know, that was, I was growing all the time and it didn't have to make a ton of money because I had another job that was paying for all the other bills. So that's what happened with the KTM 350. I mean, the KTM 300 XC there in 2015, it was an awesome bike. And that was when I really learned like, whoa, I like the I like the gearing and the suspension better on the three on the XC line than I do on the XCW line, and that's saying something uh, because I the, it had the four CS forks in 2015. The XC line had the four CS fork, which a lot of people didn't love. I was I'm just easy enough to please that I actually liked it better than my XCW suspension. But it's probably it is the worst it, it is the worst suspension that I've had on an XC bike those four CSs, but I still really, really enjoyed that bike. And it, it made me love, it turned me on to like the, the gear ratios of the XC, which is what I absolutely love. It's just that gear ratio on that bike. Uh, the next bike that I, that I picked up concurrently with, uh, the, some of these weren't a lot of times I would have two bikes then at the same time. Uh, after this point, I always had two bikes, I should say. Um, so then I go and I buy, I'm like, now it's in 2015, it's August of 2015. And I go and I buy a used Yamaha YZ450F. This one is a 2014. And what I wanted to do with that bike is I, I'm like, okay, this is five years later um, from the time that I bought my first Yamaha. And I wanted to see, you know, how much uh, my skills had improved and if I still liked or, or if you know, if, if I could gel now with the 450, now that I was five years down the road into my riding career. So I go and I get that 2014 YZ450F bought it used, which was good because I bought it for 6,800 bucks. Um, and then I ended up selling it for $6,000 and I sold it seven months later for $6,000. So that was a loss of 800 bucks, which was $114 a month. You know, so that was more than I'd been losing on a lot of these other bikes, but I kept it for a shorter amount of time. And I really only lost what the $800 on it. And I realized then that, yeah, the four fifties are even as your skills improve. And obviously I'm not the best rider at that time. And I still am not now, but then I really, it was really driven home to me that the type of riding that I was doing was not really conducive to the Yamaha. The, the best time that I had on that uh, 2014 Yamaha was uh, one time out kind of on the, on the outskirts of the sand dunes. We were just blitzing through sand whoops and man, you get a 450 out in the sand and that is a ton of fun. That bike, that's what it, I mean, it just, it ate it up and it was awesome out there. And that was a super, super fun day on that bike. But for the most part, I didn't have a lot of fun days on that bike because uh, it wasn't the type of bike. It wasn't the type of riding that that bike was not suited for the type of riding that I generally do. So Right after, you know, I basically came out with a video that says, you know, do you need a 450? And it's one of the more popular videos on my channel. It's been out there for a long time. And 
I said something like, hey, we don't need 450s. We can get by with a 250. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to buy a 250. So in um, April of 2016, I go out and I buy a Let's see what one. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it yeah. It was it was April of 2016. I go down and I buy a 2015 Yamaha YZ 250FX. Bought it for 7280, 7280. I end up selling that bike. Let's see on my spreadsheet. I end up selling that bike three four months later for six grand. So I lose twelve hundred and eighty dollars in three and a half four months. So I lose like three hundred and sixty five dollars a month that I owned on that, but that I had that bike. So that bike was one of the more expensive bikes as far as the, what I bought it for. And then what I was able to sell it for later. In fact, it is, it's, it was the most, I lost the most on that bike per month of any bike that I had ever, that I had done then, or maybe that I've ever even done later. Yeah. So that was the most expensive bike as far as from a, a loss standpoint for me. Um, but that freaking Yamaha 250 FX, YZ250 FX was freaking awesome. And immediately, I, what I remember from that bike is the very first ride on it. I rode it out here by my house, just in some sagebrush and stuff. And I was like, holy crap. This thing is a full-on race bike. This thing is awesome. It is high strung. It is like ready to rock. And it was freaking cool. And and consequently, I'm going to actually revisit this and do a 2020 uh, Yamaha YZ250FX here very, very soon this year. Well, coming up in 2020, I'm going to do that, do that bike again, revisit it five years later because it's an all new bike and I'm going to be giving that one away as a sweepstakes bike. But anyway, the Yamaha was freaking sweet. And right then at the same time, three days later, I went out, actually Sam went out, well, me and Sam kind of together went out and we bought a KTM 250XCF. The 250XCF was a 2015, or no, 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 2016. And we, and so then we were, we rode the bikes back to back and we had them both. I first, I can't remember how it worked out, but I, I was riding both those bikes. I was doing a bunch of riding right in that time in the April, May, June of 2016. And I was just riding both of those bikes back to back and it was freaking awesome. So the 2015 or the 2016 KTM 250 XCF, that bike was, it felt like almost a little bit more refined than the Yamaha to me. It didn't have quite as much power. So the Yamaha 250 XCF had, it felt like it had a little bit more power overall through the RPM range. Um, and the, and the Yamaha had a little bit wider ratio transmission, which I didn't love at that point. I was loving the, the KTM transmission gear ratios a little bit better, but overall I felt like the Yamaha, Yamaha had more power. It could pull harder. It could certainly pull harder in like six gear, um, which both bikes had six speeds and they were super, super fun. I ended up selling the, that KTM 250 XCF to Sam because I'd only had it for a short time and I sold it to Sam. He just gave me exactly what I paid for it. So I didn't lose anything on that one. He ended up selling that bike later at a, at a pretty decent loss, which I'm not going to go into here. I'm just going to go into what my losses were. Um, but those, that uh, Yamaha 250 and the KTM 250 were super, super fun bikes to have at the same time. And it really, really opened my eyes to how unbelievably amazing and fun it is to ride these modern 254 strokes. They are a blast to ride. The thing about both that Yamaha 250 and the KTM 250 at that time was I realized that I went riding with somebody, you know, that had ridden with me a few times and they're like, man, 
you're fast on that 250. And for some reason, they were thinking I wasn't going to ride as fast because it didn't have as much power. But that's not the case. You're riding just as fast, if not faster, on these 254 strokes because they don't have so much power that they're you know getting you into trouble. They still go like crazy. And, and you know, like on a bigger bike, there's all this extra power, but you're not using it most of the time. So on a 254 stroke, you don't have a ton of power, but as long, as long as it's not like super technical, you don't need all that power most of the time, unless you're doing like some nasty hill climb up some big sand hill, sand mountain or something like that, which I haven't been to sand mountain since I was a teenager, but you get the point. Like you don't need all that power. Most of the time, we're not like maximizing the potential of most of these bikes. And that was what I was learning with the, both of those two fifties at the same time. And they were both, you know, a little bit different flavors of the, of the same thing. And I loved the 250 so much that I'm like, you know what, this is the perfect time for me to go back to a KTM 350 because the KTM 250 was so amazing in the, in the, the handling of it. Like it just, it handled razor sharp. Like I, I felt in a lot of ways, like going in cornering and stuff, I felt more confident on the KTM 250 XCF than I did on my KTM 300. And, and because it was more usable power, I would go back to the KTM 300 and about wheelie the thing over. And it was scary. You, you spend some time on a wheelie, one of these 254 strokes. You spend like, you know, 10 engine hours solid on a, like a, like a, you know, a YZ250 FX and a KTM 250 XCF. And then you just immediately go back over to your KTM 300 XC and the 300 XC was freaking scary at that point, because you're used to like all of a sudden, you know, twisting the throttle to a certain extent, you know, maybe like half throttle out of a corner. You do that half throttle out of a corner on the KTM 350 or 300 XC and boom, the thing loops out from under you. And you're just standing there going, what in the heck just happened? And that happened to me. It was, it was super, super eye opening. And, and then, you know, during that time, you know, in this time frame, we were going out and doing a lot of testing. I would ride one bike, Sam would ride, ride one bike. And we would swap back and forth and holy crap, we were learning so much more by swapping back and forth on the bikes. Just like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this one section on one bike and then turn around, uh, go right back through that section. And then we'll, we'll switch bikes and do that same thing. Oh my goodness. My mind almost exploded because I couldn't believe how much we were learning about the bikes. So I'm like, well, wait, this 250 XEF, KTM 250 XEF 2016 is so fun to me and it's so razor sharp with the handling and it feels so light and nimble and everything. Is the 350 going to be just like this, only a little bit better, like a little bit more power? And so right then in May of 2015, like three weeks later, we go out and I buy a KTM 350 XCF. And again, the only reason this is able to happen is because I'm, I've got a sales job, you know, a high paying sales job at a company uh, where I'm making commission. I've got, I've got a good base salary and then I'm making good money on these commissions. And then I know that I'm not going to lose a ton of money on these bikes because I've got this side hustle that's coming out there. And when I sell them, yeah, I'll sell them at a loss, but I'm making the money back in YouTube ad revenue at the time, you know? And so it's like, yeah, it was a lot of money to put out, but it was just consuming my life, this, this dirt bike thing. And I was, you know, telling people about it on YouTube and, and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I go on out, I go out and we buy, I buy the 2016 KTM 350 XCF and we have it at the same time as we've got the other 250s. And it was a little bit of letdown to me. Yeah, the bike had more power, but it also felt heavier. It felt heavier and it didn't feel like it was any faster than the 250 version. We would ride it back to back. And I remember at the time, both me and Sam were like, we prefer the 250. There was a couple situations in some of the hill climbs and things where the 350 helped you 
uh, because it had a little bit more grunt. You know, it had a little bit more mid-range bottom bottom end and mid-range. And obviously, it screamed out on top. And the cool thing about those, you know, the 250s and, well, the 350, the KTM 350, I think the best thing about that bike is you never have to shift it. You can just keep it in one gear and it'll pull. You know, put it in third gear, put it in second gear and rev it to 13,000 RPM. I mean, that, that bike is incredible. Because of that, you can rev it so high and you basically never need to shift in a lot of the stuff that we were doing. But it didn't feel as sharp to me and it didn't feel as nimble to me. You know, and so that was really eye-opening where I was like, you know what, dang, the bike is set up the exact same. It's the same frame. It's the same forks. It's the same shock. I've got the clicker set the exact same way. I would go through, I'd put the same tires on them and, and put the same air pressure and all this stuff. And still, I liked the 250XCF better. And that is still my opinion today. I've been doing this, you know, and I ride other people's bikes and I still prefer the 254 stroke over the 350. And I, and I prefer the 350 over the 450, but that's, that's, I digress. It was, it was just really, really cool to kind of see how the 250 motor was just a dream. And it, it was, it's like, it's like the perfect balance. And I've, I've ridden like other people's bikes, you know, later with these, these 254 strokes. And I've, I've continued to feel that way. The 250s, 450s, 350s, I prefer the 250s. So that was in uh, there in what the KTM 350 XCF, the most recent one that I owned was in 2016. It was a 2016 model. I had it for five months. I sold it for seven grand to my cousin, uh, Cody, and I think he still has the bike. Um, so I, it was a $1,300 loss. I lost $260 a month on that one. I gave him a good deal. I could have sold it for more, um, but I, I wanted to give him a good deal on a bike. And, and it's an awesome bike. I just never had as much fun on it as I did um, you know, and it's, it'd be a great desert bike. I just didn't have as much fun on it as I did the 250 version. So the next bike then is, uh, in August of late August of 2016, I go and I buy a Yamaha. Uh, it's, it's the 2017. I got, I buy a 2017 Yamaha YZ 250 X. I spend like 7282 on that bike. It was incredible. I loved that bike. Loved, loved, loved. I didn't like it. I loved it. I owned it for f- about five months. I ended up selling it to my buddy for six grand. So I, I lost $1,282, which was 256 bucks a month, but I sold it to a buddy and I wanted to give him a good deal on it. And he had, it was Scott, Scott Seeley bought that bike from me and he loved that thing too. The YZ250X really opened my eyes and it was basically the first time that I'd had the Kayaba Triple S forks on the front of a bike. I'd had them before. I'd had them five times before, or four times before. And it was the first time that I really gelled with them. And it was really when I decided to just, I'm not going to have, I'm just going to loosen these things up as much as I can and run them as soft as I can. And I really gelled with that bike and the bike handled amazing. You guys know, if you go back and you watch my review on that bike, I, I was so passionate about it because it was so much fun to me. It was really, really fun. Um, if I redid that review now, I would be more critical on it because I, my writing over the, since that time has just gotten, I mean, I mean, I've improved and I've, my speeds have improved, you know, but overall, a lot of my riding has just gotten slower and more technical. And that bike does not shine in the technical stuff. It's a little bit too high first gear. The problem with that bike is they didn't, Yamaha just kind of slapped it out there and put a different rear wheel on it, lowered the compression on the bike and then chained and did some funky gear ratios, um, in, in the bike. It's not a, it's not a six speed. It's a five speed. And they, they kind of dropped first gear a little bit down from where the motocross version was. And then there's like this kind of really weird gap between third gear and fourth gear. And then there's a a monumental gap between fourth gear and fifth gear. 
Um, cause they didn't add any gears to it. They just changed the ratios inside of the transmission and it just kind of made the bike, the, the transmission a little bit weird. I want Yamaha to actually do something with that bike. Cause it is essentially a 2006 YZ 250 with an 18 inch rear wheel and a weird gearbox. And obviously a little bit sloth, softer valving in the suspension, but they didn't do anything other than that. And now here we are all these years later and they still haven't done anything different to that bike. So it's, uh, it's, it's, a little bit dated and yeah, you can get it for cheaper, but you're not getting as much. <laughs> I did a post on social media about this, um, and got a bunch of people, a bunch of Yamaha fans pissed off. But the truth is, yeah, you do save some money, but then if you try to like, if, if you compare apples to apples, it doesn't really match up by the time you do all the things on the YZ to get it up to more of the level, of what the modern KTMs are coming out as, because now there's a company that's doing a, a boat, like an electric start, you know, mod kit. You're just as expensive basically on the YZ250, but you don't have some of the other things that the, you know, the KTM has. So I loved that bike. I still love it. Um, and, and, uh, Logan, one of my riding buddies and Sam still have one and I've ridden it and they're super fun, super fun to ride. I think there's a 2018 version. Um, but yeah, so that bike had it for, you know, five months and then sold it to my buddy, Scott. The next bike I got was a <clears throat> 2017 KTM 350 and <laughs> sorry. 2017 KTM 300 XC. That's what that was. This is in October of 2016. This is when uh, KTM is like, Hey, we've changed everything on this bike. It's all new. It's got a counterbalance motor. It's got a new frame. It's got, it's got, um, you know, new everything is basically what they were saying. And I had kind of waited too long and I didn't have my name on any lists. And so one day I'm at work on, you know, an afternoon and I start calling around to find dealers where I could find this. And I called, like 40 dealers. I have it on a spreadsheet somewhere. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I, the guys that worked with me at the time could vouch for that. It was more than 30 dealers on a spreadsheet of like, Hey, do you have this bike? When are you going to get this bike? Can I come get it? And I finally found one down in, uh, where was that? It was, um, I bought it down in like, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. So I rode, <laughs> we drive, me and, me and Scott drive through the night down to Scottsdale, pick the bike up and drive back. This happened on a Saturday. And then guess what? The dealer in this like 20 miles from me uh, called me on Monday morning and said, hey, just kidding. We got one in. Do you want to come get it? And I'm like, oh, I was sick because I had just driven a total of like 22 hours over the weekend to get this bike. And, and I could have just waited until Monday. <laughs> anyway, but here's the thing with that bike. The, KT, the 2017 KTM 300 XC literally exploded my brain. It was amazing. That bike is the, that model year was the biggest jump in technology, feel, everything that I have ever seen in dirt bikes so far. The 2015s and the 2016 KTM two-stroke XC bikes and the XCWs um, this, this new 2017 made those other bikes feel obsolete and out of date. And at that time I thought, you know, the 2015, 2016 KTM 300 XC and 250 XCs, well, actually the 300, cause I hadn't really owned a 250 yet. I'd ridden other 250 XCs, but I hadn't owned one yet. I thought those 2015 and 2016 bikes, I'm like, how can they improve on this? Oh, the other thing they did was the air fork. And then, so boom. 2017 comes out. It's got an air fork. It's got a new frame. It's got a new motor that's counterbalanced. They changed the position of the, the starter motor. And that bike was insane. I remember going out there and riding it for the first time in October. It was late season. It was autumn here. And I took it up, you know, tie fork and, you know, diamond fork area. 
and my mind exploded. I could not believe how good the bike was. It felt lighter. It felt more nimble. It felt more agile. It felt like electric smooth. It was unbelievable. Could not. My, I can't, even to this day, I've never been so mind blown on a bike. Um, and so, you know, I rode that a little bit through the winter and everything. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and then I go and I buy in the spring and, and I, I kept the bike... I kept the 300 XE for six months and I sold it to my buddy Sam um, for an $1,115 loss, which was 183 bucks a month that I lost on that bike in value. Again, I sold it to Sam and I wanted to make him a good deal. And the reason why I sold it is because I went out there and I bought in February a 2017 KTM 250 XE. So then I wanted to test like, hey, can I test the difference and can we feel the difference between a 300 XE and a 200 XE? And so then we had two of the same model years, and we were riding them back to back through that spring of 2017, it would have been. And man, that was another eye-opening experience because now we've got the bike that is identical. I set them up identically. They're both the same bike. They have the same tires, yada, yada, yada. One's a 250, one's a 300. And it was like, geez, the 250 and the 300 are very, very similar. It's a very subtle difference. But for most of the riding that I was doing, I preferred the 250. It just felt a little bit lighter, a little bit more nimble. It revved out a little quicker. It just felt a little bit freer. It felt a little bit more playful, especially if you're in third gear, fourth gear, fifth gear, the 250XC was just a freaking amazing party. Like, and, and whereas the 300XC was better when it was slower. So first gear, second gear, the 300XC gave you a little bit more low end grunt, a little bit more confidence through you know the trickier stuff. But the 250XE, as soon as you got into second gear, I preferred the 250XE. And I still do to this day. And that was when it really, that was when I really figured that out is like, oh my goodness, these bikes are very, very similar. They can both do everything. I mean, the 250XE can do everything the 300XE can do. It's just if it's slow going and if it's really technical, you have to use just a little bit more clutch control. The 300XE can go just as fast as the 250. So they're, they're just like, it's like two sides of the same coin. They, but man... That was when I realized like the 250XE is the best kept secret in dirt bikes. This thing is amazing and no one buys them. Everyone buys the 300 because they think, oh, big motor, you know, this is what I need. Um, you know, the, the only way, the way that you could outsell the KTM 300 is to make a KTM 3, 325 because, because everyone just buys the bigger motor. They just want the bigger motor because they think that they need it. Um, but the 250XE, oh my goodness, that 2017, I kept that thing for 12 months. I sold it for six, I, I bought it for what, 8,000? The, the 250XEs tend to be about three to $500 cheaper. Even maybe, maybe it's not as much, but that time I bought this one for $500 cheaper than the, than the 300XE. I didn't have to drive to Arizona to get it. And then I ended up selling that bike a year later to Sam as well for 6550, which was a $1,500 loss that equated out to about $125 a month is what I lost a depreciation on that bike. And that was because I kept it longer. Um, and I sold that one to Sam as well. <laughs> and I, oh my, that, that started my love affair with the 250 X, you know, the 252 strokes. It was freaking amazing. Then, uh, very shortly in that year in 2017, also I went out and I bought, uh, I, I bought a Sherco. So I bought the Sherco 300 SEFR. This is the four-stroke version of that bike. It was a 2017 like factory version of the Sherco. And that thing, obviously, it's a French-made bike. 
Um, we, we have right now, Cody Webb just switched over to Sherco and, uh, great bikes. Um, there was a couple little, uh, there was a couple little, um, uh, funny things with the electronics that I didn't love on it. But as far as the motor goes, that is, man, I wish more companies would make a 300 four stroke, uh, because it was, it was almost as it felt almost as nimble as the 254 stroke. It's a little bit different frame with a little bit different geometry, so it's hard to compare directly apples to apples. But that motor, I was like, man, if we could take a 300 four-stroke and slap it in the 250 uh, XCF frame, uh, that would be amazing. And so at the time, that bike, I think it had a WP open cartridge uh, front fork, and it was super fun. It also, the other thing that that bike really drove home to me is that the weight on the scale is not exactly the weight on the trail because the three, the Sherco 300 SEFR was at that time, the heaviest bike that I'd put on my scales. And it didn't feel like that though, out on the trail. In fact, it, at first it felt a little bit too light and a little bit too jittery, um, on that bike. And so then what I ended up doing was moving the forks down a little bit in, you know, in the triple clamps. And that basically solved the problem of feeling too jittery. It felt a teeny bit heavier, but it still, it still felt like one of the lightest and most nimble bikes that I'd ever had. And it, here it was tipping the scale. And this was right around the time that I started to weigh bikes. I weren't, I wasn't weighing bikes. I, I bought a commercial shipping scale somewhere, you know, in the 20, I think it was right after I bought, I think the first bike that I weighed was the Yamaha YZ250X. Um, that was, that was probably the first bike that I weighed. So here it was, I didn't have a, I didn't have a huge sample size on the Sherco, but at the time I'm like, this is the heaviest bike that I've weighed. And still to this day, I think it still might be the heaviest bike that I've done in that, in, you know, in that kind of class yet it didn't feel heavy. It felt light and agile and it was pretty awesome. Um, then, uh, I turn around and I essentially traded that bike back to Sherco. I was working with the, with the U S importer of Sherco and I essentially just swapped him with a 300 version. I mean, I mean a two stroke version of the same bike. So it was the Sherco 300 S E R and that bike actually, so it was a 2017, but I could most closely relate that to about a 2015 KTM 300 XC. That's kind of what that bike was. Um, so it wasn't counterbalanced and it was, it was still an awesome bike. In fact, it probably, it had better forks. It was running, shoot, I can't think, I think it was still, I think it was a WP open cartridge fork, but I like, but I, at that point I liked it better than the older KTM, uh, you know, four CS fork. And it was pretty cool. The bike was pretty cool. I didn't have any, the only, my only major complaint with that bike was the sucker. If there was a switch on it and if you left the switch on like the kill switch on, or the run switch on the battery would go dead and it didn't have a kickstart. At least I don't think, I think it didn't have a kickstart cause I had an, have an, had, a, had to end up bump starting it, like running it down the street one time or, you know, the road when I was camping one time. Um, but yeah, I ended up giving that bike away as a sweepstake bike. That was the first bike that I decided to do a sweepstakes on. This was in 2017 and uh, super, super cool bike. Um, I'd like to go back and uh, eventually I'll circle back around and get, uh, do some more Sherco stuff. So, um, but it was, it was harder to compare it directly to the KTM cause the KTM had just gone like leaps and bounds ahead by doing a different frame and doing an air fork and doing a counterbalance motor and all these things. The KTM just was like, Oh, it was just, so I didn't, I didn't compare them directly cause I, I didn't even think it was fair at that point. Um, I thought I felt like the KTM was enough better than the Sherco that I didn't want to just like blast the Sherco through the mud. It was still a really, really good bike. Um, very good bike. 
Right after that, in May of 2017, I got a Beta 300RR. So the cool thing about this one was this is the first time that a dirt bike manufacturer, a dirt bike company had, had reached out to me and said, hey, do you want, uh, can we lend you a bike to test? So props to Beta USA for doing that. Tim Pilge, you guys have probably heard him here on the channel because uh, I did an episode uh, with him. But this is, you know, this is two and, you know, a little two and a half years ago. And he sends me this Beta 300RR 2017 really nice looking bike, all red. It was pretty cool, but it was, it was the standard version. It wasn't the race version. And here's the thing I had had, this is what I learned with this bike. Um, there were so many beta fans that had been telling me about how unbelievably amazing the beta was. And I was kind of buying into their Kool-Aid. And what I learned is I cannot buy into anyone's Kool-Aid. I need to have the most open mind possible and go into every bike with a, with a white slate in my mind, not having any preconceived notions as much as possible. And this is what I learned on this bike because I, you know, I get it, I set things up on it and I take it out on a ride and immediately I'm kind of let down. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't beta's fault. It wasn't that the bike wasn't good. It was just that I had kind of bought into all the hype that everyone was just blasting me with and all these comments and YouTube and all these like personal messages and phone calls I was having with beta owners and they were just loving it. It's like the Subaru owners. It's like Subaru owners think that like Subarus are the best thing ever. And every other car is a piece of garbage. There's a little bit of that going on with the betas. And I had just, my, I just, I had allowed myself to set the expect the expectation level like way above where it should have been. I need to go in with a neutral feeling. And I'm learning this and this is 2017. I'm not perfect. And immediately it wasn't measuring up to the standard because I'd had all these people telling me how the beta is hands down head and shoulders above the KTM. And I listened to that too much and I found it wasn't, it was the 2017 beta 300 RR was really, really close to a 2016, 2015 KTM 300 XCW. Very, very similar. And that isn't, that wasn't a knock on beta at all. It was a good bike. I never really loved the front fork on that bike, but you could hear like <laughs> listeners could hear it in my voice that I was just like, what, what's the big idea here? <laughs> you know, what, what are you guys talking about? And, and, and the thing that I learned about, like I said, is I've just got to go into with an empty slate, uh, clean slate, white paper, uh, in my mind, in my mindset, and then just, you know, and then the other thing is don't turn on the camera until I've been riding the bike for like a half hour <laughs> because I immediately started turning the, I turned the camera on and started talking about it immediately in like the first three minutes. And you just kind of, and so I learned, look, don't go in with any preconceived notions, no matter what anyone tells you about how good or how bad a bike is, you've got to make a, you've got to learn this for yourself and then don't start talking about it because these are just initial impressions. This wasn't a full review or anything, but don't turn on the camera until you've been on the bike for an hour. That was one of the other things that I, I felt like I learned with that beta really cool bike and beta sold a ton of, I still get people telling me that they, they bought that, you know, a 2017 beta because of my review on that back in 2017. So I had that bike for three months because that was what uh, beta allowed me to keep it for. Actually, they said 60 days and we ended up keeping it for three months and it was awesome. Awesome experience. Uh, then in August of 2017, I go out and I buy a 2017 KTM 150 XCW. Okay. 
And it's super fun bike because it was a, it had, it was a light agile feel. It's got the smaller motor. Um, but what I learned was I, I didn't, I didn't love the bike. You know, I put a high compression head on the bike and you know, the suspension was good. It had the WP open cartridge fork and, um, and I felt like the XEW gearing actually worked a little bit better on the 150 because you had a little bit lower, you know, you didn't have as much power. And so the low first and second gear actually kind of made the bike a little bit, I think the XEW gearing works pretty well on that bike, maybe better than on some of the other bigger bikes. Um, but I, for whatever reason, as, as light as it was, I, I, I think I preferred the 250 XCF over that. Um, and that's not to say anything bad about this bike. I just, I never really fell in love with it. I sold it uh, six months later to one of my buddies, Logan, for six grand. So I lost 800 bucks because I had bought that bike. It was cheap. I got it. I got it for a really good deal at $6,800 and yeah, sold it uh, six months later to, to Logan and, and he loved that bike, uh, just recently sold it, but it was a, it was a great bike for him. It was kind of his second bike and it was the perfect bike for him on a second bike. Um, but yeah, that was the 150 XEW. Uh, the next bike that I got was a project bike and this is the 2003 Honda CR250R. Had this bike for a long time. This bike took us like two years to do because uh, we restored everything and it was a lot of work. And the thing that I learned on that bike is it doesn't matter how much money you throw at one of these older bikes, it's never going to, it's never going to have the polish of a newer bike. And that's, and that's, I mean, it's never going to be as, because basically the other thing we were trying to do is see if we could con convert the Honda CR250R over to be a really good trail bike, really good off-road cross-country bike like a KTM 250XC. And we had a crap ton of money in that bike. We got a bunch of parts donated to us, but we still had to put a bunch of money out of pocket. And by the time it was all said and done, the thing was bloody expensive, bloody, bloody, bloody expensive. I have a data sheet with people because uh, I did a number of videos on that bike and I didn't love it. It's probably my least favorite bike um, that I've ever had and spent any significant time on. Um, and, and, and we had the suspension redone by Kevin Egbert at Moto Experts, and that helped a ton. The best money that we spent on that bike was on the suspension, um, getting it revalved and set up more for off-road and less for, you know, motocross and everything. Um, but it was not my favorite bike. It looked sick because we did, we did a, uh, we did like a replica kit on it to make it look like a 2017, 2018, uh, Honda, uh, newer bike, their newer motocross bikes. The thing looked amazing. I love some of the pictures that I got on it. Um, but it wasn't my funnest bike to ride. It was, it was, it was the hardest bike that I have ever tried to take into anything technical. Hands down. It was the hardest. Um, I love the way it sounded. It sounded mean, um, but wasn't my favorite. And that when we ended up giving away is a sweepstakes bike as well. If you're interested in getting the parts list and the cost and everything, you can email me Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. I have a PDF because I had enough people saying, Hey, there's no way you spent that much money. Let me see it. Let me see the de let me see the data. So I created a part sheet for it and a, and a, and a pricing thing. It was very expensive. And then in the end, I was let down with the end product. Moving on, 20, uh, that, so that was in 20, that was October 2017. Then, um, here we go. I guess this must have been uh, in 2018, December of 2017. I think it must have been. I think I got the dates wrong on my spreadsheet here. Uh, then, uh, Husqvarna reaches out and they say, hey, do you want to review uh, this Husky TE250i? It's the fuel-injected bike. 
And I'm like, yeah, heck yeah. So Husky loaned me that bike in December of 2017. And I kept it for like five, six weeks. And it was the Husky TE250i. It was my first experience with the fuel injected bikes because it was a 2018 model. Um, and that bike was freaking cool. It felt, and then this, so this is my first experience on a fuel injected two stroke. And I, I think still to this day, I prefer the 250 the, in the fuel injected models. It seems to just work a little bit better. You seem to notice the advantages of it a little bit better on the 250s than the 300s because they're a little bit freer revving. And it made that bike, that Husky TE 250i 2018 felt lighter in a lot of ways than my, than my, uh, than my carbureted 250XC. And it's hard to say because the, the geometry and everything on the front end of the TE250i is different than the KTM you know, 250XC. So it's hard to compare apples to apples, but I thoroughly enjoyed riding that bike around. Uh, had it for five or six weeks, tried to ride it as much as I possibly could. And then I gave it back um, to Husqvarna there. In, in fact, what I did is I, we ended up driving it back down to San Diego. I met... I met um, I met them in, you know, Cedar city, Utah. They drove, they drove a long ways up to meet me to drop the bike off. But then I drove all the way back down to Murrieta, California. And I went to the, um, uh, the headquarters of KTM there and Husky, they have a complex down there. And I went and did a tour there. It was super, super awesome to do that. And that bike was super fun to ride. I, I absolutely loved it. I then go out and buy, cause that was a, that was a loner. Um, I go out and I buy a KTM 250 XCW TPI. This would be another sweepstakes bike that I went, I would end up giving away. Um, and that was freaking awesome. And so now I had done two of the, I had done two of the TPI bikes in, in 250 and both of them were absolutely amazing. Awesome. Great, great, great bikes. And I had that one for five months and then I uh, gave it away, um, as a sweepstakes bike. And had no problem with it. It was like, hey, look, the future of two, the future of EFI two strokes is good because I'd had two two fifties and it was amazing, and absolutely loved it. What else to say on that bike? Pretty much nothing. It was super super cool, and I was like, it's going to be cool when they put and when they put TPI over to the XC bikes because at that point it had only been on the Husky TE line and the KTM one you know two fifty XCW line. Um. And then they would expand that there in the future. But I loved the, the T250 TPI there in 2018, that model. Uh, fast forwarding a little bit then in March of 2018, I go out and I get a 250 XC, KTM 250 XC, bought that thing for 8,200 bucks, kept it for only four and a half months. Um, and I sold it to Sam. And the reason why I kept it only for two and a half months is because I tore my ACL that year right shortly after getting the thing. I bought it in March and I tore my ACL in May. So I really didn't put that many hours on it. It was like seven or eight hours because I had all these, you know, other bikes. But that bike was incredible. The thing about the two, the thing about the 2018 250XC that I had there is, I think that is the best running bike I've ever, the best carbureted bike I've ever had, especially that didn't have Electron. So everyone, you know, kind of started to poo-poo the McCuny carburetor thing on the KTM's after 2017 because they used Kian before that, and then they go to McCuny. I never had a hard time tuning the McCunys. A couple of the bikes that I felt like ran the very best, and this is one of them, was a 2018 250XC with a McCuny carburetor. I just, I just said, look, I'm going to have to learn how to tune this again, like figure out what the, what the needles and jets are that I'm going to need in this thing. And I got that bike to run better, I would say, than any other 
carbureted bike that I've ever done that I didn't install like Electron on. And so that bike was freaking cool. And Sam just barely sold that bike. He bought it then and he just sold it now because he we ended up finding him a 2020 KTM 250 XC TPI that he bought. But that 250 XC was a freaking awesome bike. And, you know, because forward, looking forward, I'll go out and I'll buy a 2019 KTM 250 XC. And I would ride Sam's, what was then Sam's 2018, back to back with my 2019. And I'm like, um, the 2018 runs better than 2019. And I could, I could never, I was always playing with the 2019 carburetor and trying, and it ran really, really good. And I was totally happy with my 2019, except for when I'd then go riding with Sam and go back to back on my old 2018 that I had, that I had tuned both of them. And the 2018 ran better, which was eventually a catalyst for me to put Electron on the 2019 because I couldn't make the 2019 run as good as the 2018. So I went to Electron on that bike. So that's the 2018 KTM 250XC. Um, right around that time in March, I went and I bought my first and only ever trials bike. So then I go up and I buy a gas, gas contact 250 ES. So it's an electric start bike that has a little seat on it. Um, the, the battery is underneath the seat. And so I was talking to a couple trials guys online and they said, Hey, look, do yourself a favor and take that seat off. Yeah. You're going to eliminate the electric start, but it's going to be better for you. And so I, I, I don't ride it a lot. I play around with it a little bit here and there. I still own that bike. It's still sitting in my garage and I, I play around with it. And I did take the seat off and the electric start off. And I'm, I'm totally cool with that. You don't stall them hardly ever anyway. And uh, yeah, not a ton to say about that because I'm not super experienced with them. But that is the bike that I tore my ACL on. We were playing around in a gravel, like a, you know, like a, a gravel pit, uh, on some boulders and stuff. And I tore my ACL that day on that bike. So that was, that's kind of a Debbie downer, but I I've continued to ride it and play around with it. And ever since then I wore, you know, had to have an ACL reconstructed and I wear knee braces after that. So then, uh, then I buy two different KTM 300 XC WTPIs and this, and these are 20, these are 2019 models, right? And, and I buy them, you know, just a couple months apart. And one of them was a little bit, let's see. No, no, I buy them for like, yeah, a couple months apart. And one of them is given away as a sweepstakes bike. I rode it just a little bit, gave it away as a sweepstakes bike. Um, just, you know, kind of setting things up the other bike I still have. So, and the interesting thing is I gave, so I had two of them and I gave one of them away as a sweepstakes bike. You know, I picked which one I was going to give away as a sweepstakes bike. And I kept the one that was, I think had the, the troubles, the only TPI bike I've had, and I've had like eight of them, I've been around like seven or eight of them. The only one that I've ever had any troubles on or that didn't run perfectly is the one that I still have. And I've, and I said, I'm going to keep this long term because I had so many people reaching out to me in the summer of, you know, 2018 saying, these things are never going to last because the oil pumps are going to fail and they're going to blow up and people are going to, you know, blow up their bikes and everything will be ruined. And I'm sure some people have like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mechanical oil pump that everyone is worried about. These oil pumps that inject the oil down into the transfer port. And if that fails, your bike is going to burn up. And it, and it's true. If that fails, your bike is going to be a lot, <laughs> it's going to burn up. It's going to, you know, melt the pit, the, everything is going to get too hot and the piston is going to burn down. And maybe you might even ruin the cylinder. Uh, so that's been a concern with people on TPI. I haven't experienced that yet. What I then decided to do at that time, and this was in the middle of 2018, I'm like, I'm going to keep this bike until at least 100 hours and not do anything to it except for change the air filter and change the gear oil. And 
interestingly enough, I, I decided, I've decided I don't want to commit myself to anything long-term like that. I said I would take it to at least 100 hours. And as of right now, this day, I think the bike has 90. I rode it just this last week. It's got like 95, 94, 95 hours on it. And uh, it's taken me a long time to get it there because I've had all these other things that I've been doing. It's hard to put a lot of hours into one bike when you've got other projects going on. And, and you know, you've got six bikes sitting in your garage. I don't want to have that many bikes. It's just the way that things have kind of worked out. And so, but that bike didn't run it ran really, really good. I had the suspension redone by Kevin Egbert at Moto Experts. Had the suspension redone on that thing after riding it for maybe 10 hours or eight hours, five hours, I don't know. And that that kind of balanced the bike out a lot better. I've never, I hadn't historically been a super huge fan of the geometry and the suspension of the XCWs after I started riding some of these other bikes. You know, you start riding all these other bikes and then your mind is opened to other possibilities. And, and I'm just talking about, about the bikes that I've owned. I'm not talking to you about the all the other buddies' bikes and other friends' bikes and things that I've ridden and put in significant time on. These are just the ones that I've owned or had loaned to me. And so this bike, all of a sudden, I started to realize um, that it, it wasn't running perfectly. It was running 90% there, but there was this like little 10% that was bugging me somewhere in the RPM range. And after I'd had about 45, 50 hours on I Forget, I'm just kind of like going through and trying to test this and test that and test this thing. And I finally decided, what if I put a get ECU on this bike? Will it actually like smooth out that power, you know, smooth out that part? Cause it just kind of felt like there was a little part of the RPM range where the bike almost seemed like it wasn't warmed up, um, where the other bikes would warm up and get off that little rough part in the RPM range. This bike never did. So ended up going with a get ECU. And the funny thing is the first get ECU I used it, it had like, there was something defective with one of the things and, and it didn't work for me. It didn't work right. It was actually a little bit worse <laughs> than stock. Well, you know, the, the get ECU dealer just swapped it out and boom, we fixed that problem and the bike ran incredible. And it still does every once in a while. It still has this little thing where it'll kind of hiccup when you, when you just like whack the throttle on. And it could be that I have like a, like a low, you know, vacuum or something like that in the bike. There's a lot of different things that could be happening with that. But most of the time it, it's 99% of the way there and it runs awesome and it's got tons of power and yeah, the bike is on point. And I, and I try, I ask people like on Facebook, I did a poll on like, well, I get all these messages from people saying like a hundred hours is not a legit test because we're not going to learn anything in a hundred hours. I get all these people telling me that they're like, you've got to take it to 500 hours or it doesn't mean anything. I have zero interest in taking that bike to 500 hours. I have zero interest in taking it to 200 hours. And in fact, I've got a, a, a lot of the people on the poll that I did said, it's not going to be a good test. And it's got to be at least 200 hours on that oil pump or it doesn't matter, or we haven't learned anything. And that's really discouraging to me because it's taken me, well, I got the bike in, in uh, what? I've had the bike for a year and a half to get it to hundred hours. I don't want to spend another hundred, you know, year and a half to get it to 200 hours. And another thing that people have said to me, which I think is really true is other people have had their oil pump fail at like five hours, 10 hours, whatever. And I had some people say, look, look, this is a, this is a mechanical part. Some of them are going to fail in the first, you know, 20 hours and others could probably go 500 hours. And so even if you do take this bike to 200 hours, it's not going to tell us anything because it's just going to say, you know, sometimes they fail and sometimes they don't. I know Rich Larson, a guy that I had on this podcast before he was running his Husky TE, you know, 250 I 
and or a couple of them, and he pushed them to 200 hours on, on one oil pump and never had a problem. You know, and he and that's a guy that rides hard, a lot harder than I do. And I'm and I'm going, man, it kind of takes the steam out of me for wanting to do this long-term test on the bike. So I don't know exactly what I'm gonna do, how long I'm gonna keep that bike. The other problem is now that I've ridden the 2020 KTM uh XEW, they did enough improvements with changing the frame on the 2015 uh KTM XEWs that it feels more like a like an XC bike than ever before, and it's enough better that I don't even like my 2019 nearly as much. I went riding with Tyler just a couple days ago and I was on my 2019 XCW, the bike that we're talking about, and he was on his 2020 XCW and I I didn't even I didn't even ask him to ride it cuz the other times that I've gone out, three, you know, three or four different times I've gone out and I've asked him to ride that if I can ride his bike and uh, I just love it. It's enough of an improvement on the 2020 bikes that I don't like my 2019 nearly as much anymore. So, all those things together, I kind of turned my 19 into a hard enduro go you know bash them up bike and everything and put a fan on it and put all these parts on it you know after you know protection parts and now i've got it five about five hours away from my you know my initial commitment which i said of 100 hours and i don't know what to do at this point because i don't want to take it to 200 hours so anyway that's where i'm at with that bike then i go and i get a in uh September of 2018, I go and I buy a 2019 KTM 250 XC and I have loved that bike as well. I put about 20, 25 hours on it with all these other bikes that I've got. And that one went out as a sweepstakes bike, um, here just recently, just a couple days ago, it was, it was one, I put a graphics kit on that bike. You know, I started selling some graphics kits through decal works and, um, so it's a pretty good looking bike and, uh, it's run really, really good. I did tell you that it never ran quite quite as good as the 2018 version. Um, and, and so then I ended up putting electron on it here just recently, a few months ago, I only rode the bike like once or twice after I put the electron on it and it's going away as a, as a prize. In fact, it went as the number one prize in the grand, you know, the grand prize of this latest sweepstakes. And it was because I let the people choose between, uh, that bike and the 300, um, XC TPI. So the 2019 awesome bike, it has Electron on it now and I'm delivering, well, it's going to go in a trailer here in just a couple weeks to head out to Lowell, Indiana. Cool bike. Um, next down the list, November, 2018, I buy a Husky TE 300i, um, bought that thing for 9,500 bucks. This was also a sweepstakes bike, which had to be shipped out to Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> so that one went a long way. I put like 20, 25 hours on that bike and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was, and that was when I realized, well, not when, but that was when I really started to kind of feel, you know, the Huskies are a little bit different than the KTMs. They feel a little bit different, especially on the front end. They use different bars. They have a little, maybe a bit different geometry. Maybe it's just the bars. They have different components, obviously on the, on the brakes and the clutch. Um, and some guys just don't like the Huskies as much. I'm not as particular. I think I can jive with the Husky. You know, they are a little bit heavier. Um, they tend to be anywhere from five to 10 pounds heavier. And I think it's just, you know, some of the time you're comparing it to a bike that doesn't have linkage because the Husky TE has linkage and like a KTM XEW doesn't. So there's a couple pounds there, but there's also a couple pounds in the, uh, in the composite subframe on the Huskies. And some guys just don't like the feel of that. Other guys do. The biggest reason why I haven't had a had a ton of Huskies is twofold. Number one, they're a little bit harder to come by where I'm at and they're more expensive because they have a couple little compre- you know, premium components on there that I don't really think make any real difference. I can't feel them like, you know, you're, 
your billet aluminum triple clamps and stuff or whatever. I'm not a good enough rider to be able to tell that. And then the other thing too is I don't love the white. I feel like the white kind of gets dingier faster. It shows the age a little bit faster. And so you, you factor all those things in and that's why I don't love, I don't, I don't buy the Huskies as often. They're more expensive. They're harder to find. And then they're white. I just prefer the look of the orange. Um, that's just me. So the Husky TE300i gave that away to Cody Vandrio um, and in uh, Connecticut. Awesome, awesome bike. Really liked that thing. Um, and then we fast forward here into 2019. I buy two different KTM uh, XC TPI bikes on the same day. On July 4th, born on the 4th of July, Independence Day here in America, I buy at the same time a KTM 300 XC TPI and a KTM 250 XC TPI. I buy them on the same day. One of them was $10,000. The other was $9,800. By the time you freaking get the taxes and everything, I wrote a big check that day. And those bikes are awesome. Yeah, they dropped the kickstart off of them, but as far as everything goes, and I just did a full review on these two on these two bikes. I just kind of did it together. Here's the KTM 250 and 300XC TPI review. These are the best running KTM bikes I've ever been around. They just straight up are. So yeah, they maybe have a little teeny bit less low end, but the power is just so smooth, so electric, so linear that I think they're the best bikes KTM has ever made. Are they perfect? No, but I think they're the best ones that they've ever made. And I just gave away the 300XC TPI. In fact, I'm going to give it to Kevin Murdoch here, I think, tomorrow morning um, and shoot some of that stuff right before I go to a Christmas party. Um, but yeah, so the 300XC TPI, awesome, awesome bike. I got 25 hours on it. The thing, I've taken it up in Idaho. I've taken it, you know, to, to uh, five miles of hell area. I've taken it all over the place. The mountains of Utah, the mountains of Idaho, um, the thing is freaking sweet. However, the 250XC, I feel like the 250s are just a little bit smoother. I've already covered that, and I'm keeping the 250XC for a little bit longer. I may give the 250XC away as a sweepstakes bike. It's highly likely that I will. At this point, I don't think I have any real motivation to sell any bikes anymore. I'll just be giving them away as sweepstakes bikes. Um, because I think that works, that works better. And the 250 XC 2020 250 XC TPI, it's the I think it's my favorite bike of all time that I've had. Um, haven't had any problems with any of the other TPI bikes. Only the only than you know the one that I mentioned where it wasn't running perfectly, and so I ended up doing a get ECU. Uh, I did have that time where the 300 XCW left me stranded at five miles of hell. Which if you listen to the podcast, you heard that whole thing. But that was a that was a fuse. And yeah, it sucks that a fuse blew, but the fuse hasn't blown since. And the fix was right there in my hand. And so I was talking to my dad. He's like, look, fuses blow. You know, he's a 40, 45 year mechanic. Fuses blow, you know, they'll blow sometimes. Um, if, if it continues to happen, then you know that there's a problem, but you know, so I don't know. So that, that was that 250XC, still have it, still going to be riding it. Um, and then the next bike on the list is the, and we're getting, we've only got two bikes left here. Next bike is a 2020 Beta 200 RR. I have been riding that bike and reviewing that bike. And here's the thing. That bike is legit. Legit. I only have one complaint about the bike, which if you've paid attention, you've heard me talk about that. But the reason why I've talked about that so much is because there's nothing else about the bike that I don't like. 
Oh, I forgot about the beta. I, I, the beta 390. Duh, I missed that. Uh, the beta 390. Before this, rewind. No, 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 no. Rewind. Beta 390. It was a 2019 beta. Loan me that one. That beta 390 RR. I got to go back because this bike was so cool. I'm so embarrassed that I, I almost skipped it. The beta 390 was freaking amazing. It is to date my favorite four-stroke of all time, of all of these bikes. I love that bike so much. It is just incredible. The forks on that thing were amazing. The motor was on that thing was amazing. It never, it wasn't, it's not going to win like many drag races, but it doesn't matter because we're not drag racing on these dirt bikes. The thing felt light. It felt nimble. It felt so playful. It was incredible. Go out and buy a beta 390. In fact, I had to rewrite my, I have a, I have a list or like a form email that if people email me like every day, three times a day saying, Hey, what bike should I get? I'm a new, I'm a new beginner. I personalize it a little bit for people, but mostly it has like seven or eight or nine bikes that are like, hey, here's some good starting bikes. Believe it or not, if you've already had a little bit of experience and you want to go four stroke, I actually put the Beta 390 on my list of like, these are really good starter bikes because you can, you could start on that bike. If it's your first bike ever, maybe, you know, maybe not, but if it's your second bike or you, or you haven't ridden bikes for 10 years and you want to get back into it, the Beta 390 is a freaking awesome, freaking awesome bike. It was a loaner from Beta. Thank you so much for Beta USA for reaching out and doing that. I loved that bike like a fat kid loves cake. Sorry for the reference, but, but that's how I feel about it. It was stinking awesome. Go back and watch my review on the Beta 390. It will not disappoint. So then, fast forward then to the Beta 200RR. Beta 200RR, I feel almost as savvy on the Beta 200RR. In fact, it's a better beginner bike. Then, then I feel more confident in saying like the Beta 200 RR is a be- is a better beginner bike than almost anything else. But it's not just a beginner bike; it can be used by the expert rider. There's only one problem with it, and that's the steering, uh, the steering radius. It doesn't; t- the handlebars don't turn very far because of how they hit the the you know the 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 forks hit the radiators. You maybe have to just bend your radiators and put a little divot in them, but that's the only thing I don't like about the bike. I will be doing a full review on the bike. I've already got it filmed. I'm going to put it out here in the next little bit. That stinking beta 200 RR, and it's the 2020 version that I have. It kicks butt. And I would take that over a KTM 150 any day. Seriously, it's that good. The 2020 beta 200 RR is an awesome bike. It's not counterbalanced. It vibrates a little bit more than the KTMs, but it doesn't matter. You're not thinking about the vibration when you're riding on single track. The only time you think about the vibration is when you're on like a transition section on like some gravel road connecting two trails together. That's the only time you're going to think about it. The rest of the time, you're just thinking about how awesome the bike is, how light it is, how agile it is, how playful it is, and how freaking fun it is to ride. Is it perfect? No. I'd prefer a different brake on it. I'm The Nissan brakes, I, I don't like them as much. Uh, but, but overall that bike is a freaking blast to ride and it fits this wide range of people and the review will be coming out very soon. You can see what I have to say about it, but I absolutely love it. Um, I like it better than the 2017 beta that I rode. That's I'll say that straight up. And then the last bike on the list here is the 2020 beta 300 RR race edition. I bought this bike. It's the first beta that I've bought. Um, the Beta gave me a little bit of a discount on it, like 500, shaved like 500 bucks off. So thank you for that. Um, they're still making money on it. And I haven't ridden it yet. I've only ridden it around. I rode it at the parking lot, putting it up in my truck. And I've done a couple burnouts here on my driveway. The thing I, the only things I know about the bike so far are just 
you know, it has a better turning radius. The Beta 300RR Race Edition has a better turning radius than the Beta 200RR, which is awesome. It turns tighter. It's not quite as tight as the KTM's that I put it up against, but it does turn, you know, tight enough that it's it's good. Uh, but it doesn't, uh, and I don't want to spoil too much here, but the counterbalanced Beta is not as smooth as the counterbalanced KTM. Unfortunately, there's a, I, if they hadn't have told me that it was counterbalanced, I wouldn't really have known. And again, I've only ridden it into the back of my truck and then I've ridden it up and down the street here at my house and done a couple little burnouts on the tire because I think the tire they put on that is absolute garbage. It's one of those Metzler tires that is like half worn out for like a six days event or whatever. And it's super hard compact. I don't like it. I'm not going to use it. I'm going to swap it for something that I know is better. But anyway, those are the bikes that I've, so it's like 31 bikes, you know, I won't say a ton about that beta cause I haven't ridden it yet. I'm going to get out there and I, I think the bike is going to be awesome. Um, it's not going to be as smooth as far as counterbalance because I can tell that already, but Hey, I'm going in with an open mind and we're going to give that thing a fair shake. And that one is going to be a sweepstakes, sweepstakes bike as well. So there's 31 bikes that I've either owned or have loaned to me. If I counted the kids bikes that I've had, it's been over 40, you know? over 40 different bikes that I've bought or had loaned to me, you know, a few of them have been loaned to me. And then if you can if you factor in all the friends bikes that I've ridden and all the other people's bikes that I've ridden, it is literally over a hundred. I'm confident on that. And I've learned a ton and it's been super fun, but that's a quick rundown. I, I don't know how quick, cause we've been doing this for over an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. That's my rundown. So far of the bikes that I've had, if you've listened to this, man, that must've been super boring, but Hey, I learned a ton while doing this over the last 10 years. That's a decade of bikes uh, or just shy of a decade of bikes. And it has been the most fulfilling, most rewarding thing that I have ever done. I've done a lot of different things. I've played guitar. I'm a pilot. I hardly ever fly. I haven't flown for many years, but that's what I went to get my degree in is aviation, uh, long range shooting, uh, AR 15s, that kind of stuff. Um, I, Nothing has taken over my life like like dirt bikes have. And I hope, I think it's going to continue here. I'm going to do a bunch of other stuff. And so this year coming up, uh, the next bike that I will buy is going to be a 2020 YZ, Yamaha YZ250FX. And the reason I'm going back to it is because I want to do another, I want to get on another four stroke here. And I want to give away a four stroke. So the next sweepstakes highly, highly likely will be for a 2020 beta 300 RR race edition and a 2020 Yamaha YZ 250 FX. Uh, and then maybe I'll sprinkle in another bike there. Maybe I'll give away three bikes next time. It's totally possible. So that's what's coming down the pipe. The next bike will be that Yamaha. And the reason I'm doing the Yamaha 250, I, I put it up on Facebook. I put a poll and said, Hey, what bike should I do? And guess what came through? That one came through the thing. First, I started with a Honda CRF 250. Uh, it didn't get that many votes. I started with a Honda CRF 450RX. It was the 250RX and the 450RX. Those didn't do that well. I also said, hey, we could do a 2020 KTM 350 XCF again and kind of revisit that a few years later and see what people think. And I had a, a Yamaha YZ450FX in there. It kind of won one of the polls. But before I went and pulled the trigger on the three on the uh, Yamaha YZ 450 FX. I put a, did one more poll just kind of make sure. Cause I was getting all this feedback from people and I decided to put the 250 version of the Yamaha up against the 450 version and the 250 version cleaned house 
on the 450 version in that pole. And so that'll be the next uh, review bike, you know, alongside that beta. So 250FX. Um, you can request to join my Facebook group. I go in there and approve people every so often um, and kind of be able to give some feedback on those types of things. If you want to support me, uh, go ahead. And uh, one of the best ways to do it right now, since I don't have a sweepstakes going on, is to go to my website and you can do like support Dirt Bike Channel. You can give a monthly donation on PayPal or Patreon. PayPal actually gives more of that money to me, whereas Patreon takes a bunch of it for themselves. So just kind of keep that in mind. That's a good way to do it. Um, hopefully here in another few months, I'll be back up and running with Rocky Mountain ATV. Some of you guys have asked, how come you don't have Rocky Mountain ATV links? Well, it's a long, long story that involves a third-party contract that they had with another uh, provider that was doing their affiliate program, which they cut ties with. And then I ended up having to be cut ties with for like a six-month period because I was in connection with that other company. So nothing against Rocky Mountain ATV. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't my fault. But uh, starting in March, I should be able to be back up and running with them. So you'll be able to buy parts and things um, from, Rocky from Rocky Mountain ATV kind of through my links and things, which will uh, be a very good thing at that time. Okay. So, guys, I am hoping that all of you have a very Merry Christmas. You'll probably be getting this right before Christmas. I may not have a podcast that comes out before Christmas. So... If I, ha if I don't talk to you before then, I want you to have a very Merry Christmas and I want you to leave a single track. Thanks, guys.